guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are jumping into episode 402. This one went kind of dark. Yeah, girl. Like, not kind of. No, it really went dark. went dark and yes. deep and heavy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It had some lightness here and there, but for the most part, there was... It's a heavy episode. It I mean, is, it's, it's, but it's real. Like, it's, yeah, it's, it's... I think sometimes in TV, we don't like that when it gets too real and it gets to those uncomfortable conversations those uncomfortable truths sometimes in tv we, people don't like that exactly because tv is like your escape right but that's what i enjoy most it's something that i can feel something i can relate Me too. to yeah and, and then because they made these characters so 3d for us like we should totally expect to have real things like this come up i feel absolutely. like absolutely and in this episode they touched on a lot of things that and we always say this show is still relevant to this day they touched on some issues in this yeah. episode which we will dig into that we're still going through today and right. I, I, I love things like that I do too um, yeah okay well we might as well just get to it let's jump into All right. it so we start out at Darren's place and last episode ended with Darren being bashed um, that was how after the show yeah after his performance there after the benefit thing they did for Brian and uh, so he is recovering he's home recovering from his from his attack and they did a number on him oh my like, god I mean, they worked him over. I mean, I knew yeah. that he was beaten, but wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they really yeah. worked him over. And so Justin is there checking up on him and just kind of helping out where wherever he, he can. I thought it was so fitting that it was Justin that would be there. Yeah, you know? me too. Justin experienced something very similar to mm-hmm. that. He knows the emotions that you go through. He knows how you can feel helpless, how everything that, yeah. that come along with um, with that, that whole type of situation. So. I love that it was actually Justin there to help him. Yeah, and there is something neat that happens with humanity sometimes where you can use something that was very painful for you and use that to, to be a part others. of yeah, mm-hmm. helping someone else and comforting someone else. So I did like that. There was a reference in this opening uh, scene to whatever happened to Baby Jane. I am so behind on my classic movies. Girl, like, you didn't see what happened to Baby Jane? No. Oh, my God. That is really a classic. For real, for real. Joan Crawford. And Betty, uh, Davis. Betty Davis. like Yeah, God. we're going to have to have like a classic movie weekend or something because this episode, and I'll try to point out the ones that I think about, reference a lot of classic movies. And, well, I didn't really get to start picking my own TV until like 2008. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so, <laughs> so funny. So, I mean, that's true. I'm not right. exaggerating. So, yeah. I just remember growing up, uh, I was a huge fan of Joan Crawford because she scared me. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, she was a beautiful woman, but scary looking, kind of, if that makes sense. Don't, don't kill me, guys, if y'all fans of Joan. Um, but that movie like revived her her career. Really? Like, I mean, yeah. So it was, it was it's a good good movie. And then also you got to go on to FX and watch Feud, and you can watch the Joan and Betty story, and it shows their life when they was working on that film. But yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. Look at you. Well, you know, Just you a wealth know. of knowledge over there. I didn't even know you knew about that movie. <laughs> you know, come to the classes, baby. Yeah. Come to the classes. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Justin is trying to make him eat and gain his strength. And Darren is not in the best of spirits. He has some very dark humor going on and just very dark thoughts going on. And we don't know him well, but from what we saw of him in the last episode, it doesn't seem like that's his normal to be no. so cynical like that. No, but you can, I mean, I understand why he's cynical like that. I mean, it was a happy moment. And then out of nowhere, for no reason, he was attacked by several guys. Yeah. Why would he, you, it don't even take that many. Y'all brought an army for one guy. Right. Y'all saw out. But I can understand why he's like that. You know, Mm -hmm. like, dang, my heart just goes out to him. Yeah, well, he says that his doctor told him that he may have a permanent limp. And Justin says, well, don't listen to them. And if anyone can say that with some credibility, it's Justin. Absolutely. Because he was told he could never draw again. He has some limitations, but he learned to work around those. 
And it was a struggle, but physically and psychologically for him. But he did learn to move right. forward. You would never be the same after an attack like that. You mm-hmm. just, you, you won't. You're going to always, you're going to be able to regroup and recover and move forward. But as life that you know it being the same, no. You're yeah. always going to have like that. That memory will always be there with you. So you'll always be low-key, un- um, unconsciously doing like the look over the shoulder, right. checking over yeah, the shoulder always. Yeah, in some always. way, yeah, you're still yeah. going to be responding to that. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, well, Darren tells Justin, like, you're so reasonable, but that's not how he sees things. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Darren himself hopes that his bashers will be sentenced to life in prison. And he very graphically describes the type of abuse that he wants them. When he said gang raped by um, prisoners with AIDS, I was like, my mouth dropped. I was yeah. on the floor like, wow. Yeah. Okay. And it, that, that's one of just one of the many things in this episode that like makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. You can't say that. You it, can't say exactly. words like that. Yeah. No. But that's how he felt. And it was honest. You, yeah, it's honest. Mm-hmm. And you get why he why he feels that way. You're not necessarily agreeing or disagreeing, but you get why he feels that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So his anger is still obviously very close to the surface. This is a very recent thing, and this is how he's dealing with it. And it's very interesting to see these two guys who are both victims of a bashing and how one immediately went to anger toward his attackers, whereas Justin, he went to either minimizing it or trying to pretend it didn't happen or angry at himself because he was dealing with Mm -hmm. the effects of it. He didn't like that he was weakened by it. So if he was angry at anyone, it was himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But yeah, there's just a... Kind of no response to what Darren says. Yeah. Like, so I mean, know what to do with that. Hell, Justin was shocked. He didn't. He, he didn't know what to do or mm-hmm. say. Like, I mean, but you know, he understands. Like, these feelings are gonna come. These feelings are gonna go because although they didn't show Justin saying those things, you, I'm pretty sure he had those type of bottled yeah, up feelings. Yeah, because here and there he would mm-hmm. make little comments, but yeah, right. Um, well, he asked Justin if he was angry about it, and Justin says he tried not to think about. Well, Darren says, well, that's all I can think about. And Justin tells him, well, if you're still holding on to that, if you're still envisioning that, if you're still fixated on what's happening, on, on what happened, then you're still you're still on the ground taking it, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's still controlling your life. And he tells him, forget about it. Well, where did Justin hear that from? Like, who told Justin? Oh, uh, to- well, we know who told yeah. Justin to forget about yeah. it. Yeah, and I'm not saying, like, Brian messed him up or anything, but we'll dig into that more later. But you also, don't be so literal. Yes, forget about it. Like, I mean, not forget about it. Let it go. Okay, like it's it happened. We're moving forward. We can't if you keep dwelling onto that or holding onto that, you got so much blocked up, you're not gonna receive the good shit that's coming to you already, I feel like. So you have to let it go. So that's what I took from that. And that's what I want them to take from it as well. As in like let it go. You're never gonna forget it ever. You're never gonna forget that. But it's a learning experience for you. And then how you weather that moving forward is what defines your character. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that there's no one way to process grief or trauma or kind of anything else. And so what works for you to process something and move forward from something may not work Work for me me or Mm -hmm. for someone else. And so I think that's kind of where the two of them, where they are. Uh, But I part of me doesn't feel like Justin was able to process it based on his own instinct. Um. I mean, yes, he was the one who initially tried to ignore it. But when he did try to talk about it, he was told not to dwell on it. Like, don't think mm-hmm. about that. You're, you're focusing on the negative. Like, just move on. Don't think. Don't worry about that. And so he followed this well-intended advice of someone else. And he got to express a little bit of it through the first issue of Rage. But we didn't really see him having many conversations about it. Right. So. I would love to see a deep dive of him going to therapy for this and mm-hmm. things like that. And him going to the rehab therapy and the things that he had to discuss and get the anger off his chest and things like yeah. that. And I would love to see that. Yeah. Well, that. I think that's the thing Like that ha- that never happened. That hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of, that's kind of important. 
Um, well, anyway, so over at the diner, Michael and Ben are there, and Michael is faking a toothache and, uh, <laughs> he, because he agreed to go with Emmett to a radical fairy gathering for a couple days. Remember, Vic and Debbie had been trying mm-hmm. to encourage Emmett to, to give that a try. And so my, he asked Michael, apparently, and Michael said yes. Uh, well, Ben tells him that they discuss these fairy gatherings in his class. And he tells him a little bit about Harry Hay, who founded these gatherings in mm-hmm. the 70s. And then Justin comes over and he is looking so beautiful. His no, he's like glowing. A yeah. yeah, yeah, he's glowing for sure. And he stops by their booth to pass on Darren's thanks to Debbie. And they ask him how Darren's doing. And Justin's like, eh, not that great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got some work ahead of us. Yeah. Well, Debbie kind of tells Justin that she's thankful that Darren has him. He has a little bit of sunshine in mm-hmm. his life. And then Ben tells him, um, we'll miss you at the, tell him we'll miss him at the center tonight, but we'll make sure this never happens again, which sounds great. It does, but, but you can't guarantee nothing right. like that. Like, no, make sure we never have this happen again. Like, thank you for saying those words, but you can't guarantee that at all. That does not put me at rest. Yeah. Well, Emmett comes in to grab Michael because he's all packed and ready to go. <laughs> and uh, Michael starts to turn on the fake pain again. And Emmett tells Michael and the rest of them that he's like, I know I've been going through some tough times and my headlights are on low beam. <laughs> yeah. But oh. yeah, but if there's a chance that this gathering can turn the high beams on, he's willing to give it a shot. And I love that. Yeah, I did too. Like, I loved it. And then I'm looking at Michael's face like, how are you going to say no to this, Michael? Yeah. Yeah. What's something that you have tried or thought about trying to get you out of a slump or help you with some issue that's not like a normal thing? No, I'm a cancer. I'm, I'm going to be in my mood. So other than that, I don't care. I could <laughs> go into a gathering. That's not going to work. I'm, nope. I'm not going. Nope. Yeah, for me, well, my mind races. Like, I think all the time. My mind races. And I also uh, suffer from migraines um, occasionally. And so I decided to give sound bathing a try. I don't really know about the, like, spiritual aspects of it. Or I don't really get into that part of it. But I love music. And when my mind is racing or I have a migraine, I can't really handle normal music. Mm. Because I'm, like, way too sensitive to that. But I heard something about sound bathing one time i was like i'm gonna just try this right. and so like lay in a dark room Did it work for you? i think so but i think it was more of it just kind of settled me i don't yeah, it, it doesn't it like cure it. Uh-huh. it yeah it doesn't cure anything but i can i can focus on that instead of oh my gosh my head is about to explode so. and then when you because uh, you know i told you every night i go to sleep the sounds like that and um you literally just focus on that sound mm-hmm. and you work on your breathing mm-hmm. and it's almost like transport you out of your body for a minute. So, I mean, like, like my mind is always racing, too, but I don't have migraines. My mind is always jumping from thought to thought. You know, I start a million projects at once. Yeah. And um, so when I do things like that, it literally takes my mind from going for a million thoughts just to focusing on one. And I think that's what was happening with you on yours. Yeah, yeah. So I, I get, you know, going out of the out of the ordinary to, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, find some comfort or encouragement or healing or whatever exactly because Emmett has been saying no has been down hasn't been himself so i'm glad he finally said yep i'm gonna go for this i'm gonna try it. whatever it takes to get me back to being me and rediscovering who i am let's go for it yeah he says whatever happens so like even if this isn't this life-changing experience for him he will always be grateful that michael will be there with him offering his love and support uh, <laughs> oh i was dead i think em is being sincere but i wonder if a little part of him anticipated that michael was gonna have second thoughts yeah when he walked in michael's face told it all yeah, <laughs> yeah michael mm-hmm. had that look, i said take remember i said take the hand off the face yeah because yeah know, he, he was won. already trying to do that miserable yeah, little, yeah, little nah, look. yeah. there's mm-hmm. no toothache um so then we see ted and he went back to rehab because last time we saw him he was home and uh he decided to go back 
And he says it's a good thing that he left because it gave him time to think about where he should be and what he should be doing. He went back, he did the work, or at least started the work, and now it's time for him to leave. So a little bit of time has passed. Right. Um, later on, Debbie makes a comment that kind of is like, maybe that's how long he was there. But mm-hmm. um, So a little bit of time has passed. And so he probably did like a short-term inpatient thing, but he, he says did. he's going to continue with outpatient. outpatient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this was a happy scene for me. Yeah. I was like, two things. For one, you are strong enough and smart enough to go back and seek the help. Um, two, I feel like Emmett broke through because he was going to fight with Emmett no matter what that night when Emmett came back to the apartment to gather the, gather the things for him and Vic. Emmett told him, like, if you want to be better, get your ass up and check yourself back in because you shouldn't be here. You're not ready. It's too soon. So I feel like all those things, Emmett jumping down his throat, was he a little harsh? Yes, but did he need to be? Absolutely. You know, I tried to be nice. We see how that, saw how that went. So I'm going to be strict with you. I know Emmett, that's not Emmett's character, but yeah. he is hurting and, and he still loves you and he wants the best for you, but he don't have time to hold your hand down this road like that again. He has to give you that tough love, that strong love. So he said those things. And I feel like if he sat on them yeah. and it hit him hard and he got his ass back into that rehab facility. Yeah. So it, was, like, it was a happy moment. If you want to get better, then get better. Do that's the an active work. word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, There is one negative Nancy there in their little group session, and that's Jonathan. And he tells Ted that he will be back. And Ted's like, yeah, to do the outpatient program. But Jonathan means you'll be back to using and then Mm -hmm. back in rehab. You're no better than the rest of us. And Ted tells him that it'll be different for him and he'll make sure of it. I think he is committed to doing his part. I do. I think long as he um, surrounds himself around people who care for him and love him and don't backslide to those same fake-ass friends that he met, I think he will do well because Ted is a very smart guy. You know what I'm saying? He's a loving and caring guy. And the gang is his family. We already know how his situation is with his mom and things like that. So the gang is his family. So he's going to need them to rally around him in this moment to help him stay on track. And it seems like he's already his mind is where it needs to be. I, I believe if he just can continue to do the work, continue to do the outpatients, he will be well. Yeah, and I think if he can find some inner peace, like that's something that's going to be very important for him, some love for himself and some inner peace. If he can find those two things before he finds anything else, I think if he can find that, then he has a very good shot. Right. Well, I, I think he's on the road to finding it because this is the first time we heard Ted speak and he had um, happiness in his voice. Like, he, he looked different. His eyes are bright. Yeah. Um, he sounded really happy in his voice. He was laughing. We haven't heard Ted laugh for real. He does that sarcastic little laugh when he's mm-hmm. making those jokes about the drugs. But this time, it was real laughter. You could feel like a weight came off his shoulder. I felt. I think he felt accomplished that he actually went in, did the work, and stayed the time. Yeah. Know? And he did defend himself in this. He with did. Because before, if somebody said that about him, he might would have been like, he maybe, held his head you know, down. I might be back. You know, that yeah. might be true. But mm-hmm. he did defend himself. And so... He said, no. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so then over at the loft, we see a freshly showered Justin. He finds Brian there talking on the phone. To Girl, we almost <laughs> got that glimpse. <laughs> almost. Okay. Almost. That towel moved. They are, it did move. Yeah. They are so strategic. Like, But that towel did move. I it wonder did. how many like cuts they had to take. I don't know. Because. If I was in the house by myself, I probably would have paused it, slow-mo, paused it, slow-mo, yeah. paused it, slow-mo. You would have today if we weren't in a hurry. <laughs> yeah. That's, let's just be honest with the people, okay? They know you by now. Yeah. For real, <laughs> let's for real. just tell the truth. For real, for real. Yeah. Come on, Randy, just give us a little sneak peek. Yeah, well, the script says that Justin approaches the bed with a devilish smile that says he's up for some headhunting himself. That's Ooh, what the script that's says. That's what the script says? Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Come through, headhunter. Yeah. Well, Brian's call is about a job offer. 
but it doesn't sound like a great one. Um, it's two-thirds of his previous salary, a lesser title, and no profit sharing for five years, I think it said. That's garbage. Yeah. So to him, he says it's, it's the equivalent of indentured servitude. Um, I'm glad he knows his worth. I'm glad he says, no, thank you, hangs up on him and does his thing because he knows his worth. Why would you backslide when you're Brian Kenny when mm-hmm. you ran the number one ad um, company inside of Pittsburgh? Like, no. I'm glad he's just not settling. Right. He, he would rather be stressed, broke, whatever the case, working his way from the ground up than just choosing any job that's going to take advantage of him. Yeah, and what he's learned is like, you say five years, but what if you sell you sell this company in four and a half years and I got to start my five years all over again or mm-hmm. whatever because that's what happened to him. Remember, Ryder yeah, had told uh-huh. him he'll be a partner, but then he sold the company and he had to, you know, re-earn his spot. Exactly. So. I understand being hesitant. Yeah, so I was like, one. big ups to you. Or not even hesitant, but just being like, nah, no, not no. happening. And even when you say things like that, like, no, I'm good, most of the time they'll loop back around with a better offer mm-hmm. anyway. So mm-hmm. if they really want you. True, very true. Uh, so while this conversation is happening, Justin is shaking water from his golden locks onto Brian. And <laughs> I think Brian's rehashing this offer for Justin to be able to hear it. Kind of like, can you believe Can you believe this is what you know mm-hmm. they're offering me? And uh, having clearly lost interest in the conversation he's having on the phone, he flips Justin onto the bed (laughs) and he tells him, you can tell them I've just taken a new position. Um, Literally. Yeah. And (laughs) Justin says, I can't believe you just did that. What? Flipped you on your back? No, flipped off that headhunter. And Brian tells him, I can do better. And he says, well, doing what? And he tells him, working for myself instead of other people. And Justin's like, I thought all your clients turned you down. He says, forget them. I'll get others. Yep. And then Justin again, well, what if you can't? You'll be destitute. You'll have nothing. And Brian's like, since when did you turn into a Jewish mother or Michael? (laughs) (laughs) Or Michael. I was on the floor. Yeah, because Justin is usually more sky's the limit and more positive and upbeat. Um, And it's interesting that he's going all like careful and cautious again. Because the last time we, well, not the last time, but we saw him do something similar before. It was after Jason Kemp was found in the dumpster and Brian was going going off with that guy at uh-huh. night and he was all like worried and scared about right, that. Right, right. It seems like worry and uncertainty kind of bring out that, that you know, fear that and that fear hesitance, in uh-huh. hesitancy in him. Yeah. Um, and that wasn't really there in season one, like pre-bashing. That wasn't really in him, or at least not to this extent. And also, now that he's older, he knows that there's responsibilities that have to happen. Like... Baby, these bills are not going to stop, okay? Like, and we well, live nice. saw Brian's credit card bills yeah, last episode. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it made him jump into action and get something taken, get something done. So, I mean, at the same time, I mean, I don't think it has to do anything with the bashing. So, you know, and things like that. I think he's getting older. He's worried about, you know, and also he knows that Brian loves nice things. Brian loves to work. He loves feeling accomplished through his work and things like that. Like, babe, we got to get you back on your feet. We got to get you back going. I got to get you normal. I can't have you down. Yeah, I just think that he's older now, and he's like, okay, what, what's our next play? Like, we, we can't keep this up. Well, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah. yeah, he definitely has come to value, like, security, mm-hmm. for sure, and understand the importance of feeling secure, not just physically, but financially in other ways, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do like a, a few things in this scene. These two, the, the nose rub, the nuzzling, the sex hair, this cuddle session, Ryan running his fingers through Justin's hair repeatedly. Love it. Live for it. Um, Just kind of the way that they are with each other, of course. That's always going to be my my deal. Like, And I kind of like that Brian's so resolved to like, no, this is what I'm going to do. This is what we're doing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. This is it. Mm-hmm. I'm confident. It's going to work. Yeah. So something else I noticed in this scene, 
Uh, the naked guy painting is back. So Orbein bought a new one. He's putting that concerned citizen's money to good use. Yeah, he sure did. Okay. <laughs> so you can tell what his priorities are. Getting back to normal. Yeah. Also, their clothes are kind of all over the place. So it seems like it might have been a frantic dash to the bed. Or maybe not. Then we see Emmett and Michael, and they have arrived at the fairy gathering. And they clearly look like fairy virgins. And they are wel- welcomed by Periwinkle. And uh, he tells them to think of their new names. And I think when they get there, Emmett's like, oh, this is not what I... They're in shock. (laughs) Yeah. And so Emmett tries to weasel away, but Michael says, no, you dragged me here. We're staying. True. So we get to see Brian out trying to, you know, get some new business. And he's at this adult store and he's trying to convince this guy that he can help their branding, help get them sponsorships. And he's going to make a new... Uh, image for them with an ad budget of $200 a month. Girl, I don't so. know how he gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, not even the great Brian Kenny. Nah, Brian, you can't do that. <laughs> you got champagne budget, baby. That's not even Miller Lite budget. Yeah. I, don't, I don't even know. Like, baby, you, what you gonna do with that? Yeah, but I really like seeing that uh, Brian is hustling. That's what it is. that he is not too proud to do this, no. to go to this kind of this client. This is ground level. Yeah, when he's used to like multi-million yes. dollar accounts, like he's still going to do this. Because if you're going out on your own, you got to crawl before you can walk. That part, okay. And uh, I think he totally expected his clients to come with him. And he didn't expect to experience a lot of delay in getting Mm -hmm. back on top, getting back to where he was. And so once it was like, oh, you know, that's not going to happen that quickly. I am going to have to kind of do the hard work to make this happen exactly then. i yeah. mean because like we said before them bills still gonna come yeah, that is so true. he had to get get out there and that's what i love seeing I, I keep saying it this new version of brian is wonderful yeah i mean like he, like you said in the car he humbled he's humbled and he's humbled himself you mm-hmm. know and i love to see him out there grinding and from the ground level up i mean he's gonna literally start from the little guys and work his way up to the million dollar accounts right. and he's gonna bring everybody with him along the way I can't wait to see this journey go. Yeah, I love that we get to see him stripped of everything in his professional life, except for his natural talent, of Mm -hmm. course. And then he's having to rebuild. And it's kind of similar to what is going on with Ted having to rebuild. So speaking of Ted, he is leaving the rehab center and Blake is telling him to ignore Jonathan, a.k.a. D&G, a.k.a. doom and gloom. (laughs) And he says, and you in real life, there are people who are like that, right. who project their own stuff onto other people. Like, you're never going to be successful in that because they weren't successful mm-hmm, in it, you mm-hmm. know? And so that does happen. If they, are, if they are cynical about their own recovery, then they'll be cynical about everyone else's. So that's what Jonathan has going on. Um, but Blake does say that a lot of patients do end up coming back, but he reminds Ted to give himself time to adjust and time for the people in his life to adjust as well. Yeah, it's hard on them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like they have their guard up. Like they don't want to be any enablers to you. Um, they also walk on eggshells because they don't want to be the triggers. They don't want to offend you in any way. I mean, it's just uncomfortable yeah, and for also, everyone. They've been hurt by some of the things you've right. done, but then they don't want to make you feel guilty because if you feel guilty, then you might start using again. Right. And so it's very hard for the people who were, I guess, your family or your friends who are around you. It's hard for them too to adjust mm-hmm. to it. Exactly. So, like, good advice. Give it time. It's yeah. not going to be the exact same, yeah. you know, but these people care for you. So, I mean. Yeah, and I'm I'm interested to see how they're going to respond to Ted when, mm-hmm. he, when he is home and when he's out and kind of doing normal life again. I'm very interested to see if they're going to be cautious or confused or angry or if they're going to pretend like nothing's happened. It's kind of like, do I It's need- going to probably be one of those things where they're all kind of hanging out and then they're going to make a joke and pour a taste 
forgetting that he's sitting there and then they're gonna realize him like oh my god and then now the elephant is in the room they're all looking at him yeah. and then it's like that uncomfortable silence yeah but then it's like do I need to keep watching you in my purse right oh, for real <laughs> you know, like, oh yeah let's see if anybody leave if the girls leave their purse or wallet yeah. around anybody leave around him because mm-hmm. I mean you are known to steal thousands of dollars out of a that, bank account you are known to have done that okay. that is true well Ted sees the door because he's on his way out and he starts to get get a little bit anxious about that, and Blake tells him to think of the door as a threshold to a new life. Mm-hmm. Well, Ted thanks him, but Blake says, well, you're the one who did the work, but Ted has said a few times now, and he keeps saying, it's all because of your help, that's the work of a good counselor, and you it's just stop like, it. mm. I don't like that. I don't like the verbiage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, uh, 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 uh. It feels like flirting. Yeah. And, and also, give yourself the credit. Okay, right. he was just well, there and to he help needs you. to be able to do this. Yes, you're gonna for have your support system all the time, but yeah, but for you and you're gonna like they can't do it for you. Exactly, they can help you, they can do it with you, but they can't do it for you. So. They can help you hold yourself accountable, but at the same time, it's you that's doing the work. And until he realizes, hey, this is me. Like, thank you for being on this journey with me. I mean, he's never gonna be fully better. He still feels like he's codependent on others. You know, yeah. like he needs to he needs to find out. What makes Ted happy? Yeah. Ted asks if he can give Blake a call for therapy purposes, of course. Girl. But, but Blake says, or you can just call to say hello. And then I was giving him the side eye for that. Yeah, like, okay, like, like cool. both of y'all. Yeah. Well, I don't he, like it. Well, Ted gives Blake a hug, and Blake is a little bit careful, and Ted lingers, but Blake is kind of gracious in the way that he, he cuts it off. Yeah. He's like, okay, now you have to go. Bye. Like, there's a Durba. Yeah, but what another thing that I do like about Blake, like he's giving him some some good advice he's made some questionable steps but he has given good mm-hmm. advice but the other thing i like about him is never once did he lord it over ted's head that oh how the mighty have fallen you know or well right. well well look who's right. here you know never exactly. once did he do that because he knows ted is an excellent guy like i mean ted really does he does mean well in everything that he does and ted was the only one who believed in him when he was on his on his ass you know right so if it wasn't for ted pushing him and wanting him to do better and loving him so strong like the way he did, I don't think Blake probably would have ever gotten better. Right. Well, and the thing is, like, looking at Blake now, you would never think that he is the kind of person who would have been hooked on on Crystal, mm-hmm. but you just never know what's going on in a person's life and what leads them to the choices that they make. So I think he understands that. Right. Like, you don't just, like, one day, like, I'm going to be a Crystal addict. So he understands <laughs> that there is some slow slide into this. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Over at the loft, uh, Cynthia is there. I'm happy to see Cynthia because I thought we lost her when Brian <laughs> lost his job. Yeah, I wonder what she thinks about Brian and Justin's relationship because she's known, she's worked with him for a while, and she knows how he is at work with right. clients. So, uh, I would love to hear that. But you know what? I bet she's thinking like, "Well, damn, they've been together for a minute now. You know, like this guy is not going away. She, you know, she has respect for Brian, and she knows Brian, you know, ins and out. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm pretty sure she's down for it because, yeah. I mean, I bet in her wildest dreams she would never saw Brian locked down with someone. Yeah, you know? I know. Like, and then, like, Justin, of all people. Exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then he started there. Then what they did to get fired together. Mm-hmm. You know, she's probably like, damn, these are some heroes. That's right. I forget that she worked there yeah. when he was interning there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was like, like, these are some damn heroes. Like, they got balls. Okay. Yeah. So I bet, I bet she's happy and proud. Yeah. Well, she's there, and she has a poster that Brian designed for a campaign for one of their the clients at um, Vanguard and it says back on top and it's from the Remsen Pharmaceuticals account. It's um, 
appeal for um, HIV and AIDS patients. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian says that was the last one that he designed. And Justin says before he was escorted from the building without so much as a ballpoint pen. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Brian says it with him like, yes, that's right. Yes, that <laughs> they didn't happened. let me take the pen. <laughs> Yeah, and you just wonder how many times Justin has heard Brian tell that story. Oh, you know he did. That's why they're quoting it together. Yeah, well, Cynthia's there to tell him that Vance is going to take that idea and pitch it to the clients. Like, even though Brian's not there, he's going to take his idea and pitch it to, you know, win this account. And he's allowed to do that because he owns the company. And Justin says, well, you, you're the one who thought it up. And Brian says, yeah, that's true, but the devil holds the copyright. So True. Um, in this scene... It kind of felt like Brian was rolling over. Yeah. And I don't know how to feel about that. Like, we, we know Brian and Justin both to be the fighters. they always going to get what they want because they're not going to let someone st- tell them that they can't. They're not going to let someone just walk over them. But this time, I feel like Brian had zero fight in him. And I was like, I was confused. Yeah. A little disappointed. I was like, who? What, what is going on? Yeah. he He's been doing, like, here and there we get little bitty glimpses of him doing something like that. But... He doesn't do it in isolation anymore. It almost seems like he intentionally does it around other people so that they can tell him, hey, you can do this, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so they can challenge him, uh, challenge him on it. And so that's exactly what happens in in this scene. Justin says, we'll come up with a new idea. And this is the Justin that we're used to. It's like, yes. no, get back up. Keep yeah, fighting. exactly. And Cynthia adds, then you can steal the account from Vance and your former assistant along with it. Oh, that made, girl, I damn near started crying. Like, I was like, Cynthia, yes. Yeah. Come on over with us. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, how can I compete against Gardner, against a, a big uh, business like that? And Justin says, well, it's not the size that matters. And Brian's so disappointed. No, have like, I taught you nothing? Have I taught you? Oh. <laughs> yeah. The comedic timing is yeah. perfect. And Justin says, well, it's the vision. If you win this account, then you'll be back on top. Um, and Brian says, well, for once, I will stick to the bottom. But he <laughs> is listening, though, because he comes back over. He looks Justin in the face. He's like looking him in the eye as Justin's like, no, just do this. And then it'll be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, just, he knows it's not going to be just that easy. Mm-hmm. you know. So he got something brewing. Those eyes tell you that some, yeah. something's brewing. Yeah, because he... He is. He can be a risk taker, but he's also practical. Right. Um. But he's dealt with a lot of rejection and disappointment lately with giant with job and client stuff. So I get him being. And he knows know. it has to be right. Like when mm-hmm. you're, he's starting from the ground up. So you, you, it's like that one shot. So when he hit this one shot, it needs to be perfect, spot on, or his reputation could be damaged. So I mean, I think he's just moving a little caution. Just because he knows the type of moves that he has to make if he's going to make it and give Vance, you know, a run for the money. Yeah. So something else I noticed in this scene, Justin is so comfortable at the loft. Like we forget that he doesn't even live there anymore mm-hmm. right now. You know, uh, Like he is such a fixture in that space, though. And to me, it's almost weird when he's not there to think about him. We're not accustomed being there. to seeing him there. Like, I know he doesn't live there, but I'm like, that boy lives there. Like, yeah. just bring them clothes back and stop playing. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and it doesn't feel like he's just like stopping by to like hook up or whatever or for the occasional peanut butter and banana. Every sandwich. time we see him, he's coming out the shower. That's what you do at the house. Okay? Yeah. And the way he's drying himself. Well, he was just chilling, reading the magazine. Yeah. Last time here, he's making a sandwich. Yeah. Like, yeah. Bro, this is your house. Stop playing with me. Yeah. Like intellectually, I know this is Brian's place, but my heart feels like this is their place. Exactly. <laughs> so, and really, which one are you going to trust? Facts or feelings? Okay. I'm trusting my feelings. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so back at the gathering, Periwinkle is telling Emmett and Ted to get out of their civilian garb and put on 
something more appropriate for the occasion. <laughs> you got to dress the part. And Emmett is, you know, his whole deal is giving me like Wilma Flintstone. And no. Michael is giving me like Avril Lavigne. No, Michael's yeah. definitely serving some Avril on the rib. <laughs> I will say this is the best I've seen Michael, though. He did look good uh, in this Avril Lavigne get up. Hella good. I was like, okay. <laughs> Open that shirt up a little more. Always wear that kilt, okay? Like, I'm feeling it. Yeah. I, I was feeling it, for sure. And I've never seen Emmett so covered. Yeah. You know? Well, because, and he looked, that would have, he would have, like, rocked that outfit in season two. No, he would have killed he, it. Yeah, it was very, he looked like he felt very uncomfortable mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, here. They run into two guys who comment on their hotness, even though Emmett's not feeling it. And they are Piston and Wolfen. Mm-hmm. Those are their fairy names. And Michael introduces himself as Dumpling. He said that suddenly came to him. So that's yeah. his fairy name. <laughs> he looked like a dumpling. Yeah. Well, as they're walking, there is a naked volleyball game happening. And Michael wants to check it out. But Emmett is uh, going to stick to the sidelines. Michael, I should have been there with you. <laughs> I should have been there with you because they had all the ooeys, the big ooeys out, yeah. out there on that volleyball game. I should have been with you, Michael. Yeah, I've never been to anything like a fairy gathering or like a nude beach or anything like that. But oh, I, I, have. I just don't like I wish I had that kind of like skin acceptance, you know, where I just like wouldn't care and could go Facts. somewhere like that. No, I, I went to a nude beach, but um, yeah, it's a lot. OK, like it's a lot. Like I know I do all this big boasting and talking on this mic. But when you in real life, it's not that like I went there, girl, I laid on my stomach the whole time. I was like, <laughs> My shorts on top you of my like ass. Dug a hole in the yeah, sand. girl. I didn't want to. Brad was, I was, Brad was like, "Look over, let's go over." No, nah, baby, I'm not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? Where is? Oh, Brad looks, seems to me like he'd be right at home. Oh, Brad, like that. he loved that. You yeah. know, for me, I was so uncomfortable, like literally so uncomfortable. And you would think that would be like a match made in heaven for me, mm-hmm. but nah, it's 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 terrifying actually. Yeah. Okay. Well, anywho, uh, zooming back in, I think. This episode shows us how far away from himself Emmett has gotten. Like, you're still you when you're in pain and when you're hurting. But sometimes you lose or, like, bury parts of yourself. You do. Of your self-expression when you've got a lot of other stuff going on. And um, I know that there are ways you express yourself when you're sad or when you're experiencing some pain, too. But I do just feel like there are parts of Emmett that are pushed into a corner and that have been for a while. Mm-hmm. And it'll Those be nice. Those are the nice. same parts. That we're trying to get back out the yeah. corner because those are the best parts of him. Mm-hmm. Because before he would have been all for some dress up and naked volleyball, I think. Absolutely. I mean, for crying out loud, we had a fetch Dixon, okay? Right. Who ran, I mean, who was famous, killing the game. He won the award. Won the award. He would have been the star attraction there, you know? But if he was, if he was Emmett, he wouldn't have to be at the fairy gathering, you know? Well, not for the same reason. Right. You know? Yeah. Not seeking the same thing, I, I feel like. Uh, so something I noticed in this scene is that uh, there are average-looking men and there are super attractive-looking men. And so it's not just eye candy for the audience. And so I feel like they made an effort to reflect a true gathering. Here. That's what this show does. Yeah. It really brings something that's real to life. Mm-hmm. And there are many different walks of life and gay, and a lot of different people are struggling. So, I mean, everyone has different things they struggle with. So, yeah, they made a real gathering with real, real people. Yeah. Well, over at the GLC, which we have mixed feelings about, uh, Ben and Melanie are there, and they are providing an update on the situation with Darren's attackers. They have not been found yet at this time, at this point, but Ben's letting them know what's going on with, with the case and with the investigation. They tell everyone to take extra precautions on the streets. 
And they asked for suggestions on what could be done to make the avenue safer. And Debbie says, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we need more cops here. And I'm like, mm, let's write that one in pencil. Exactly. We might want to. Yeah, and I will, I will say this. Still to this day, cops don't give a damn about that area, uh, about the gay area. Literally, we had an incident up on the strip recently, and it took the police officers 20 minutes to come. We could have apprehended the motherfucker. We could have, I'm not, I'm working, it's New Year, I'm working on my language, <laughs> on certain parts, certain parts. We could have, as the people, apprehended these people, you know, like, for real. Faster than Faster. The cops, I yeah. mean, 20 minutes, and then the week after that, we saw two people get hit by a car, car, and we called the ambulance, we called the cops again, and the ambulance and stuff, and it took them again, like, another 15, 20 minutes to get there, and they have a whole location on the strip. Like, yeah. what's going on? It makes no sense to me mm-hmm. at all, so... Debbie, you missed the mark. Yeah, we're going we gonna to keep that one in pencil. Yeah, yeah. for real. Well, what a Lin- big eraser. Yeah, Lindsay says, well, how about we demand the mayor, that the mayor do something? And then other people suggest, okay, we need more lighting. or let's That's a get, good one, though. Let's, no, that is I do feel yeah. safer when there's because more lighting. Because if there was some light in the damn alley, he would have saw that these guys like they didn't belong. Or if it was more light in the alley, all the people that was literally across the fence could have seen something, you know? Yeah. like. They needed more light. They do need more lighting. Another girl suggests, well, we need, we all need whistles. And that way, if someone comes after us, we can blow a whistle. Cute. Yeah. And, um, well, then there's a guy in the back who mocks that suggestion. Well, they give him the floor and he has a different kind of proposal. And he says, okay, if we call, like, who's going to come running if we blow a whistle? Like, yeah. not the cops. Yeah, not the cops. Says. And yeah. not none of us. Because, yeah, not I none mean, of these people. They're all scared, yeah. too. They're not going to come save you. Exactly. So who's going to come come help you if you blow a whistle? And then they were like, okay, well, what do you suggest? And he says, we protect ourselves. We patrol the streets. And Lindsay says, like a vigilante group. And he's like, yeah, the Pink Posse. And I want to be part of the Pink Posse. <laughs> well, and then, so the people kind of like laugh this idea off. But he is serious. And then Melanie says, well, isn't that, I think it's Melanie or Ben, one of them says, isn't that taking the law into your own hands? And he says, what law? The law that says you can't get married? Facts. The law that says that they can fire you if they find out you're gay? Come on with it. The, ones that, the one that says you can't adopt children? That or part. the one that outlaws sodomy? Like, wh- you know, the law that doesn't protect us anyway? Like, that's yeah. the one? And then they're going to say, oh, they overturned that one. Yeah. That, that one changed. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know what? Yeah, they did that in Texas. Yeah, so. maybe on paper, but yeah. yeah. Come on. So, um, but then he is, like, very bold. I mean, he references some racial slurs, which, again, like, talk about this episode being very in-your-face. And I love that he did. Normally, I'd be like, but I love that he did that because he had to make those strong points. Right. Like, you wouldn't call a black man an N-word, you know? And you wouldn't call someone Jewish or or Israeli, you know? This other offensive word, Exactly. You wouldn't say those things. But it's so easy to have the F-word, faggot. I hate saying it, but the F word right. roll off the lips, you right. know, and we do nothing. How many about times it. have we heard it already? Yeah, this series, exactly. because it just gets thrown out all the time, all the time. And until you take that word back and start fighting for it, I'm here with he was giving me Malcolm X energy. Yeah. And, and I was feeling that like I was feeling that like we tried to non the nonviolent. We tried to be peaceful. We're not going to say we're going to go out and start just, you know, seeking people out and just whooping some ass just yeah. for no reason. But if you come over here and you're ready to start something, we're going to finish it for sure. Yeah, and that's I, what, uh, and I'm I have a friend. That. She's like, I ain't going to kick up no dust, but I'll sure settle it. That part. OK, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. I was feeling his energy. And yes, he went. He had to be a little aggressive well, because yeah. nobody was going to listen. If it's he wasn't. all about being provocative to get the people's attention. That that's, part. that's what he was doing. But what he is saying is people had to be taught sometimes by force. 
not to use those slurs and not to treat people a certain way. But they had to learn that. Like, you had to teach them that, basically. This is one of those moments I was saying is that's still relevant to this day because we're still going through these same fights. And now it's we're, where they are now, we're picking that battle up. And we have made so many strides right now, mm-hmm. like, in the game. And we're still marching. And we're still being out here. And we're protesting. And we're, we're do- like, I got caught up in the protest on the street, on the strip. I was driving. I think I called you like, girl, oh, my God, there's a million people. I'm scared. Like, I, like, I didn't know what was going on. But all the signs for the gay rights and the lesbian yeah. rights and the, the LGBTQ. The trans I mean, was, rights. Yeah. Black trans rights. All of that. Yeah. Like, I mean, I witnessed that with my own eyes. It was in front of my vehicle. And it, mm-hmm. it stopped traffic for at least 15, 20 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it was crazy. But you, we have to get in their faces. We have to let them know we're not taking this shit no more. Yeah. You know, like, you say those things, they're going to be repercussions. Repercussions, yeah, um, for those actions. Well, that's what he's saying. Like they only people will only do it what we've let them do is what is what this guy is saying. And he's like, that's why they keep doing it. That's why they won't stop because they feel like we're just going to roll over and take it. Absolutely. And that's what we've been doing. So until we stop doing that, this is what he is saying. Until we stop doing that, it's going to keep it's happening. Gonna continue. Yeah, nothing will change until you fight back. Until you learn to say, "Don't mess with yes, me." Exactly. Yeah. Don't fuck with me. That's what he said. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't fuck with me. You fuck with me, you know what it is. Yeah, it's a very compelling argument that he makes. It's a very intriguing one and very compelling argument. I mean, he he's on, sure. he's on to a good track. He just needs to kind of like dial it back a little bit. Yeah. Because you sound a little violent <laughs> at yeah. the moment. You sound a little bit on here. Yeah, just a little. Just a little. But, but so if you bring it back, you you on the right road, baby. Yeah, you know it's like, saying? I'm kind of with yeah. you, but yeah, I'm on reserve judgment. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to hold it back. <laughs> like, I see where you're going with this, okay? Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah just bring it back. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how some people have already, like, dismissed what he said. But other people, you can see. The Even Justin, turn, yeah. you can kind of like, mm, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, over at the diner, Debbie has the paper and they caught the attackers. They caught Darren's attackers, which is great news. Um, and it's all thanks to Darren's description of them. He gave them pretty detailed information on what they looked like. The cops went with that and they, they found them. Uh, well, Ted comes in for a cup of coffee and they are all excited to see him. And they ask how rehab went. And he says it was the most significant experience of his life. And he starts telling them day one, like, day one, I was angry. I didn't want to be here. Day two. And <laughs> he goes on. Well, Debbie's getting called because she's got orders that to deliver. That bell is dinging, girl. Yeah. Ding, 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 well, ding. then Lindsay and Melanie take advantage of that. And they're like, oh, got to get to the gallery. Got to go pick up Gus. And uh, I think it's kind of like they had things to do. But also life moves on for other people. You know, like they they still had things going on while you were Away. doing your deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was kind of sad though. It's one of those moments like, oh damn! Now, uh, what was that? Doom and gloom. D and G was right, you know, like yeah, because he, he got felt back, kind of alone. Yeah, he felt alone. He or didn't left have behind. That, so, yeah, mm-hmm, because they didn't do it intentionally. But right. yeah, like we still have things to do. I mean, they both they're working parents. You know, Debbie is at work. You mm-hmm. know, so I kind of felt a little a little bad for him in that moment. Yeah, because he was left with just Justin for a minute, and that was kind of like uh, a second because yeah, Justin grabbed and his he, lunch and, then and was gone. Ted, Ted told him it's like. Ted says, uh, don't you have something to do? And Justin's like, oh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. Yeah. <laughs> but he really does grab a to-go bag. And yes, like, so he was least. probably going to Darren's or he something. He was. He was going to go feed the baby. Yeah. Um, so he's standing there alone, or so it seems. And then we hear that Kenny drawl. Well, I, for one, think you're to be commended, Theodore. I love that he calls him Theodore. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And he says, thank you, Brian. And he tells him, what you've accomplished is, amaz- is an amazing achievement, to hit rock bottom, which with uh, uh, you know such a resounding thud. Yes, man. <laughs> Leave it to Brian. Okay. Yeah. He gives you the best pep talks. 
in the worst way. Yeah, it's like there's only one way to go, uh, and that it, is it rhymes, it rhymes with, with cup. cup. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but that is the most Brian Kenny motivational speech ever. And but I do think he means it in his own way. No, I mean, and also Ted knows Brian loves him and he means it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian helped him several times mm-hmm. and tried to get him to be his better self in the previous season. So. I mean, Brian is not going to change who Brian is, but he's going to give you, you know, give you some good shit in a Brian way. Right. You know, and that's what he did. Gave it to you in the Brian Kenny way. Yeah. Uh, Over at the, at Ripped, that's the gym that they all go to. Brian is uh, pitching a campaign there. He's everywhere. Everywhere. Anywhere. He's, you know, trying to go and drum up some business. And he's kind of dressed down, probably adjusting to this newer pool of potential Oh, potential candidates. You can't come in there looking too much, you know. Right, Intimidating people. Mm -hmm. No fancy suits. But he has some really good ideas, a partnership between the gym and Torso. That makes perfect sense. Perfect. And the guy he's pitching to seems interested and says that he'll he'll think it over. The when you hear that, I'm just like, mm, that's enough. Well, and it's like he's probably just the manager, so he's just an employee, but he can't make any decisions. Yeah. For but him. he's also probably not going to relay the information right. So I think Brian already got in his face, like, okay, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, but, but it could work out, and this will again be another small account. But twenty nickels will get you to a dollar. So <laughs> <laughs> count your nickels, baby. Yeah. So, yeah, all these little jobs can add up. But also it's a start and it's forward momentum. And just knowing that I'm out there trying to build my own thing. That's mm-hmm. got to be encouraging or motivating. Or I don't know. Maybe that can be discouraging. I don't know. A little bit of both. Yeah, I probably. think a little bit of both. Yeah. But that's life. Yeah. Stepping out on something new. I mean, you're unsure about anything and everything. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's scary. And then Brian has been with this company for forever and a day. So to be... No backing on your own, no partners, no no um secretary. You out here trying to get these little bitty businesses, you know. Right. It's a lot. And mm-hmm. then still trying to stay optimistic and happy and knowing that you gotta go out here again to the next place. Yeah. But you're probably gonna get that 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 no, you know. So Yeah. Well, Hunter and Ben walk in and uh, Brian says, it's Batman and the new Robin. And Ben says, you better not let the old Robin hear that. <laughs> and uh, Michael was very slow in embracing Hunter. So I don't think we want to give him any reasons to yeah, <laughs> go back on that. Yeah. Uh, well, Ben just got Hunter a gym membership. And Hunter's like, yeah, so you want to hook up in the same room? <laughs> uh, this boy never stops. Okay. Never stops. Yeah. Well, Brian thinks that uh, Hunter should fit in just fine there at the gym. Yeah, True. And I'm thinking... Dude, Ben, you're smarter than this. You're bringing this boy around these grown-ass men. You know the type of di- individual you're dealing with. Don't do it, Ben. Yeah, do but Ben got him the gym membership so he can stay healthy. Well, Hunter makes a self-deprecating joke, and Ben says it's never too late to get into shape. And Brian says, you want to develop that six-pack before you drink it. And that's going to be his new his new ad slogan. Yeah, Always working, Brian. Yes. Is. Um, and Hunter says, why work out when I can just take some peel and then so long virus? Because he sees an ad there. Mm-hmm. And Ben says, well, it's better to fix your immune system naturally. And he says, also, that's not what HIV looks like. Like this poster that they're looking at, these two men riding a bike or something. Yeah, they was like playing volleyball, I think. It was it was riding a bike or a mountain or something. It was like something yeah. outrageous. Like, yeah, it's like, what does that have to do with this yeah. medicine? But anyway, Stop it. <laughs> uh, Ben wants Hunter to know the truth. And he says, there is no magic pill that can fix everything. He says they may buy you time if they work. Uh, and even then, there could be side effects that are pretty brutal. What he's saying may seem bleak, but even having that understanding, Ben is continuing to do all he can to stay healthy and to live a life that makes him happy. 
And so he's grateful for what the Mets can do, but he's realistic about the limitations and the cost. Exactly. And I, Ben is forever going to try to stay healthy. I love that he was going to drop everything and go to Tibet, you know, try to do some of that um, Eastern medicine healing and just come, you know, get peace within himself. Um, he's He tried to steroids, you know, he eats healthy always. He bike rides. Ben, it, he's gonna. He's never going to let the disease stop him. He's always going to conquer it, and that's what I love about him. I love his fight. Yeah, but there's something that is hopeful but also realistic about exactly. Ben, and that's mm-hmm. what I, I appreciate. And so even Brian notices that, and he's taking that in, and he's looking at this poster, and he thinks he's thinking about what Cynthia said, and he's thinking about that pitch that's coming up. So You, you can know. see the wheels turning on Brian yeah. as well. He didn't speak. He was listening mm-hmm. back and forth because that's something that he doesn't know about firsthand. Right. I mean— he has friends. I mean, clearly Ben is a friend, so Vic, he knows people. Yeah. And Vic, he knows people around him who suffers, who's actually going through life with the disease. But for him personally, he doesn't know that. To him, maybe it was bike rides and mountain climbing for him. Or I think I think he didn't think about it from their perspective. Exactly. It's what it is. Like mm-hmm. he thought about it as an ad man, and as if I'm a business owner, how do I sell my I need product? To pre- yeah, present this in the nicest, cutest, presentable mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. You the know, most marketable to- way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I love that he was listening and taking all the information in. Yeah. Well, back at the fairy gathering, Emmett has gone a little dowdy with his wardrobe. Uh, uh, <laughs> like he was already uncomfortable in it, but now he's got this awful hat and this little shawl thing. Girl, yeah, I don't know if he was an Aladdin or if he was Miss Cleo. <laughs> like I don't know what are you doing over here. Yeah. Uh, well, he is sitting there and he's watching everyone else kind of live their best life, but also like there you see. I don't know if these are couples, probably just guys hooking up. Could be couples. I don't know. But I can't imagine any of that is doing it for him with, yeah. you know, the stuff that's going on with him and with Ted and all that. I yeah. can't imagine that's The way he's feeling, he's not into that. You mm-hmm. know, he's looking for something on a deeper level. Because right now, everybody's just having fun. They're making out. They're doing, you know, having sex. Whatever they need whatever to they do. Whatever they want to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for him, he was looking for something on a deeper level. I think maybe he was thinking he was going to have to, he was going to go and meditate and, and maybe just talk out some feelings and yeah. things like that. Where this here, going to the fairy gathering... Basically, it's just saying you, you're leaving all your problems and your fears in the real world. Here, you know, you're free to be whatever you want, and that's how you're going to rediscover who you are. But he hasn't grasped that yet. Yeah. Uh, Perry Winkle comes over and offers him a mushroom, and the look on his face suggests that he might know something about that mushroom that oh. Emmett, Emmett doesn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, Emmett is on a little shroom trip, and he is wandering around aimlessly. Girl, I died. Emmett is so funny. He just started, I thought something was chasing him. He just started running, running for, for no, no reason. reason. Yeah. I was dead. Yeah, well, he stumbles upon a guy moving rocks and placing them in a circle, and he asks Emmett his name, and he says, Emmett, and the guy says, no, not your mundane name, your fairy name, and uh, he says, well, for me, like, back there, I'm Harry, but here, I'm Ariel, and Ariel has Emmett pegged and he knows that Emmett thinks it's all a bit hokey, all a bit of nonsense. And he says, maybe when you stop thinking that way, uh, your name will come to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I can tell you're not a proud fairy. And Emmett's like, excuse you, I'm a very <laughs> proud fairy. Anyone who knows me knows that my flame burns, burns bright. Yeah, yeah burn. but he doesn't really believe that right Nuh-uh. now. And Ariel says that Emmett's flame couldn't toast a marshmallow. <laughs> and he says that's because you've been hurt by someone you loved. And now all you feel is anger and pain. And Emmett asks him how he knows. And Harry says, well, you wear it. And then he takes a shot at his outfit. Yes. <laughs> um, he did, though. Because we know, we're used to seeing Emmett, you know, fashion forward. Emmett be slaying the game, okay? <laughs> I love the bright rainbow. Yeah. Um, so Emmett is struggling with a, uh, as they, you know, they've been working on these rocks and Emmett goes to pick one up that's pretty heavy 
and Ariel comes over and he's an older gentleman and he's he takes it from him and Emmett is surprised by his strength and Ariel says it's his fairy power. He says it's what gives us our will to survive. Uh, but sometimes we forget we have it. And he said, that's why these gatherings started to help us remember so we could celebrate. And Emmett says, that's why I came to renew my spirit, but it isn't working. Um, and Ari- Ariel tells him, um, that's because what you're looking for isn't here. Mm-hmm. And then he tells him, okay, the circle is complete. Well, I feel what he's looking for is there. It's within. And yeah, he has it's to everywhere tap- he goes. Yeah, it's but everywhere yeah, he goes. You're not, yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you can't, we're, we're not, we didn't bring you here to fix your problems. We brought you here so you can let go. Let go of that old and end with the new. Yeah, but he hasn't learned that lesson yet. Mm-mm. And so he doesn't really understand what Harry is saying. Uh, so before we move on, in this scene, the mushroom part wasn't originally in the script. Uh-uh. And Michael McLennan, who is one of the writers and a very active member of the fairy community, and it's because of him that they even included anything Girl, about there's a the real fairy, fairy community? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stop playing with me. There's no, a real there fairy is. community. Yeah. Uh-huh. And there has been since the 70s. Um so we but, we going to the fairy thing. Yeah, well, I can't go, but <laughs> well, I want to. I don't think I'm allowed to go. But uh, anyway, he said that no mind altering substance would be would be given to anyone at a gathering without their knowledge or without their consent. So I just wanted to make sure I put okay, that out yeah. there. Okay, they so don't just didn't like let them know. Yeah, they don't like slip people things. Yeah. Um, he said that's really not what happens in a at a fairy gathering. That was just kind of something done for the for the show. How much it costs to go to these fairy gatherings? I don't know. I can ask Michael for you. Yeah. Oh, you Let me ask, hook you up. Yeah, hook later. me up, baby. Hook yeah. me up. Let me know what's up. <laughs> we can Google them. Later. Yes. I'm 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 really interested. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna check this out. Mm-hmm. As long as it's somewhere in the warm though. Well, the they warm. have them in different places. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I'm And not I going guess there are East different Coast. uh different just like with anything. You know, some people do it one way, some people do it a different way, but they're real. Because I'm trying, you know, I'm all about that spiritual finding. I need to find something I won't. What what would my fairy name be? I don't know. We got you got to think about it. Mine would just be Sprinkles. I can see yeah, that for sp- you. Yeah, <laughs> Sprinkles. I love that for you. Yeah, that's who mm-hmm. I am. I'm gonna start yeah. going by Sprinkles now, guys. I'm gonna start calling you that. Yes. Uh, okay, so Ted is home and he is alone and he's checking his inbox on his email and he has a million messages from Doctor Crystal. Oh, I hate his ass. I know. Can we? Can you block somebody on email? I know. Like <laughs> Lord. <laughs> Can't stand him. Yeah, what happened like to, to him? Where a black are you? Eye through email. That part. He had a million messages, bro. I didn't respond the first time. Stop hitting me up. Okay, yeah. now you're looking real stalker. Learn the lesson. Yeah. I have ghosted you. And crazy ex girlfriend ish. Okay. Yeah. Well, God. he even sends him a DM like right there when Ted's at the computer, and Ted's mind takes him back to when he saw himself on the television. And so he, he like deletes all those messages, pushes and, the computer away. And in those within those flashbacks, looking at Ted's eyes and the white rolling back, I was like, this man is ODing and y'all over here having right. sex with him. Like, what in the hell? Yeah. And to think that that's okay. I yeah. mean, that's a normal night it's for them. It's crazy to me. And you, like, that's when it happened to Ted. But you, we, not even Ted knows if he participated in something like that. He might not even remember. Right, exactly. Had he not seen this on tape, he might not have even known it happened to him. Before, And don't you know, we already know he went to Palm Springs. Right. I mean, it could have happened there, too, and he just don't remember, and there was no one, no footage. Yeah. Uh, well, he goes to the kitchen, and he grabs his little sash there. And as soon as he touches it, he has another memory of... of um, just that high, that feeling that comes over him, oh, you know, after that first hit. And before he can do anything one way or another, there's a knock at the door. 
And it's Melanie and Lindsay, and they are returning Droopy, his plant. I was like, shut the door. Close yeah. that door <laughs> Don't right now. <laughs> because this idiot, you're going to leave it sitting out on the counter. I was praying right. that it was Blake. Like, Blake, we need you now. Like, I know I don't I don't mess with you like that, Blake, but we need you. But it was Mel and Lindsay. Yeah. And I was like, shut that door. <laughs> Hurry <laughs> yeah. up. Uh, well, they returned the plant and some rations for him. And the plant isn't drooping anymore. It's thriving. It even has a new bud. So it is growing. And it just needed a little TLC, a little tender lesbian care. Yes, <laughs> come say. through. Uh, the girls go to the kitchen to unload the bags. And Ted did not put away his little business before opening the door. Girl. And so they both see it. And he tells them he was just getting rid of his triggers, which is a very, it's very common for it addicts is. to have little stashes everywhere of whatever substance they choose, like kind of all over the right. place. So that is like a real thing that happens. And he's just now getting home, so he's just now getting a chance to go and pull all those things out and make the choice to get rid of them. And to be honest, I do believe him. I, I believe that he really was going to just trash that stuff because sitting at that computer and then the messages, seeing all those messages, messages from Dr. Crystal, those were triggers to him. So he deleted those all, you mm-hmm. know, immediately. And after seeing those, that's when he got up and grabbed right. that box because he was like, done with i gotta get this out of my life you know and i think the only thing that's gonna save him that's gonna keep him from relapsing is that he keeps playing over and over him being i don't even want to call it to me he wasn't he couldn't consent right so that's like rape you know so he was exactly what it was you know so he He was assaulted yeah he keeps replaying the assault in his mind his mind and he doesn't ever want to go back down that road again Mm -hmm. like he said the first day inside of um the, the um the rehab center he doesn't even know if they even use protection. So mm-hmm. he doesn't even know. I wonder if, if he's actually um, tested yet, you know, to get to get some results, see if he is positive or anything like that. So, I mean, I don't think that it, as long as he has that memory going, that'll keep him straight. Yeah. Or just, a rem- yeah, a reminder, because that is what prompted him to go seek help. And so as long as he has that reminder of what the bottom felt like, like no matter what he thinks the high felt like, if he can remember what the bottom felt like, yeah, you know, that might keep him on the straight and narrow um, but he's worried about what the girls might think that they might think he's using again. And they were like, oh, no, we didn't we didn't say anything. But I think you can see no, a little judging. bit of. Yeah, they you judging. can see some hints of distrust and doubt. Yeah. Not so much it. on Melanie this time. But she it was it, it was Lindsay. Lindsay's face be like, I'll be like uh, when when Lindsay gives that look. And then when they leave, I'm thinking as soon as they get in the car, they're talking about it. Oh, you know they're yeah. talking before they even got yeah. like in the hallway. In the they were hallway. talking about it. Like, yeah. Girl, did you see that? What we walk up on? <laughs> if we didn't come right now, I guarantee yeah. you we've been hitting that I pipe. I bet you he back in the trash yeah. can. He in, why we didn't grab that damn trash can? Yeah. If they they like, we'll just take the trash for yeah. you. We were already gonna go by the dumpster anyway. That, yeah, we parked right next to yeah, it. Yeah, Gus right, made a mess in the car. Yes. We were gonna clean it out in the dumpster. Yes, we, so, but yeah. we got you. But we mm-hmm. got you. Save you. Let you get settled in. Yeah, so I just feel like she was talking about his ass. Oh, yeah, they were. Yeah. Uh, well, so we see Gardner, and he is giving the pitch for Indovere. For Which is field. dry and terrible. Yeah. He is not good. I How mean, did he become a big weed? nowhere near Brian. Baby, you are not charismatic <laughs> at all. And your eyebrows don't even look good today. So I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> they weren't on fleek today? No, they weren't. Okay, he like, no. Yeah, and he's up there presenting these ideas like he created them. And the summary of his presentation is it's the promise of health, of a future bright with hope. He said, we designed a campaign to highlight the positive aspects of being positive. And I'm like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> um, I think I get where you were trying to go with yeah, that. Yeah, but, but you missed Mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, his little pitch is interrupted by Brian calling BS and carrying melon balls. 
And you know he stole that fruit tray from somewhere oh, in that building. Oh, he wouldn't pick that up from the office the next door. <laughs> oh, no one's in here? Okay. Yeah, they probably had like some like celebration <laughs> thing set up to where like once the client signed or whatever, then they were going to have this. Yes. And, you know, Brian stole he it. He wouldn't pick that up. Yeah. Uh, and Gardner's like, how did you know about this meeting? And he protects Cynthia, but he's able to tell the truth. Well, I set it up. Yes. But Gardner's whispering and Brian is talking loud. Yeah. Um, I set it up before yeah. I left. Mm-hmm. Because okay. if he set this up, then that, I'm sure those clients were like, where's Brian? Why right. isn't he the one doing this? So they would already know that he doesn't work there anymore. Mm-hmm. So he ain't got nothing to hide. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love Cynthia over there, like covering that smirk because she knew all that she had. She knew. Well, even he didn't tell her. I'm sure she had a feeling, right? Cause it's Brian, and yeah. she knows him. Like he's not going to sit there and just take it lying down. Yeah. Well, the client tells Gardner that um that he liked what he did with the campaign and how he downplayed the disease and emphasized quality of life. And there are times when that approach works, especially if you're trying to like decrease the stigma, um, or increase sales. But the target customer isn't negative people right it's, it's positive, positive people. people yeah and so you shouldn't be trying to make negative people feel more comfortable with the idea of aids and hiv we need like, to bring truth and awareness yeah. to it so you we should all be can targeting together. people who are positive yes. and deal with the realities of that like mm-hmm. in, the people who have to deal with the realities of that i, feel I like. want truth I, forget the the glam right. and beauty mm-hmm. give me what's real that's what i want to know that's yeah. what i want to see and i wouldn't i wouldn't buy that product with, with it just being not diverse at all, you know. Yeah. With, well, that's yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I wouldn't do it. Looking at those posters, them rock climbing and playing volleyball. What? Where was my representation at? Where right. Was, well, where, and what if I'm not an outdoorsy anyway? Yeah. Is this suddenly going to turn me into some like mountain climber person? Yeah. So it was just like, uh, uh-uh. uh, I, I didn't like it. It, it. it didn't give like a truthful feel on it, you know. Yeah. Well, Brian looks at this and he says, "You know, I too should be lucky to have HIV. Then I can go play volleyball with my shirtless hunky bud." Yep. And he's put together a new campaign based on one simple word, and that word is honesty. And it's a nice change from Brian's sex sells Kenny. Yes. Um, and he thinks that they should show the real face of HIV. And so he has these ads where it's people, like the photos are untouched. They're just kind of normal, average people. They're not models. And it was and, their, them quoting yeah, how they felt. And it's that one is like, sometimes, sometimes are terrible, but at least I'm still alive. Another, I don't want to climb a mountain. I just want to live another day. Yeah. Another, sure, there are side effects, but nothing I can't handle. Well, Remsen sees this. And it he, makes him uncomfortable. Yeah, he's not happy about it. And he's like, we worked hard to get this through the FDA, and it costs millions to develop. And, yes, you're creating a medicine that will hopefully improve and extend the quality of life. But at the end of the day, pharmaceuticals is big business. And so money is what matters to them. Exactly. And Remsen says he's not going to throw all that away on a campaign to tell people that they will feel terrible. And I love Brian's response. He says they already know that. Mm -hmm. And they are willing to accept it, provided your drug will buy them another month or another year. That's all they're hoping for. That's all they want. Or just another day. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. He says that's all you can honestly offer. And that's true. Like, they can't promise that this pill is going to make you able to climb Mount Everest or whatever. Exactly. But what we can promise you is that you can have, you can expect this, 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 and this, and this pill, it works on this, 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 and that, you know? So, yeah. I love the honesty You know, aspect. and sometimes as consumers, we like flashy and dramatic, but as humans, we also value the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not always, but often enough for it to make a difference. Like, look at how people will rally behind a, like, real people ad. Like, right. Like, you know, when Dove started doing, like, real women and real mm-hmm. skin and real mm-hmm. bodies. Like, people were, more people would go buy, I think it was Dove, go buy their products because of that, they appreciated that. Exactly. We've been so conditioned to attach ourselves to a fantasy 
that the truth, even the ugly truth, can be very refreshing. Right. Sometimes. Absolutely. And that's where that's where I'm feeling right now with Brian's new campaign, because truth be told, he created the first one. Yeah. You know, like he created the first one. And I love how he was honest with that. Like, yeah, he does I, say yeah, that I created it and it sucks. Yeah, I created it. It sucks. And this is what we need to move forward with. You know? Yeah. And the slogan for his is, you know, having HIV may not be a walk in the park, but with Indovir, it's not a death sentence. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the best you can hope for and that's the best you can offer. Yep. Brian isn't just thinking about dollars and clients. He's thinking about Vic, about Ben, about Hunter, about the people who will be taking this medicine, knowingly accepting the risks, but hoping to reap whatever rewards it can offer. Mm-hmm. Be honest, may not and this be. is a, a change in Brian because normally Brian is all about the money. Like when he took on the Stockwell um, mm-hmm. um, project, he was trying to get into you know his um, um, his clients' um, pockets or whatever right. case the people that he knew, the big cats' um, pockets, the fat and cats. yeah, the fat cats. Yeah, uh, he wanted to get into their pockets, so he took on the devil so he can get some gain. But I love in this one here, he's actually doing what's right or what he feels could be right. You yeah, know? and it's and I think that's exactly it. What happened with the Stockwell thing and like. Choosing to do what what's right, that has informed him now in this situation and how he approached this campaign, mm-hmm. like choosing to do what's right. I think there's a part of Brian that's always going to be a little provocative and suggestive in his campaign. Right. But, uh, you know, not this one, but in, in other things. But I would also like to see how all of this personal growth that he's experiencing, how that will continue to influence the work that he puts out. Exactly. I think that'd be pretty interesting. So then we see Justin and he's back at Darren's and he's reading the newspaper to him and telling him that they caught the guys. This is very awesome, very exciting. And he's expecting Darren to be happy about this. But Darren's kind of checked out. Like yeah. he's talking about Dina, Shanda's hair, Chandelier's hair blonde. I know. Like he, yeah. I think the fear has set in on him. Yeah. Well, Justin wants to know when he's going to go identify the guys, when the lineup's going to be. And Darren says he's not going. He's not going to do that. And he says he doesn't. Re- I don't really remember what they looked like. Well, earlier this episode, you knew exactly. You gave the best description where they were able to. Yeah, pick them even up. in the paper. It's yeah, like because of your description. Yeah, that's how they were able to pick him up. And uh, so I was like, mm, that sounds fishy. Well, Darren appears to be backtracking, and Justin is getting more and more agitated. And Darren told the police that he can't help them. And uh, he wants to change the subject. So he's like, what's for lunch? And Justin says, chicken. I was like, come through, JT. Come through. Yeah, because Justin wants to know why he changed his mind. And Darren is choosing cowardice. He says, cowardice is the better part of valor, which is a loose quote from Shakespeare, Henry IV. Come through with a little Shakespeare knowledge. Yeah, yeah. I took a a useless Shakespeare class in college. Okay, well, (laughs) y'all, Eshel is giving what it should have been gave, okay? Yeah, uh, it did. In fact, my advisor was like, now, why did you take this? And I was like, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, but but there is a connection between some things in this episode and some aspects of Henry IV that are pretty fascinating to me. And so I'll dig a little deeper into that later. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah. But Darren is afraid of retaliation. That's that's what it is. Like, what if they go to trial? What if they get off? What if they come looking for me to finish the job? And or he could have been thinking, because I don't know how much Justin told him, but, you know, it had to probably be really hard on Justin to go through that trial, and then they get, he gets a little slap well, on Justin the wrist. Justin was in the coma for the most part, for yes, most of it. true. But when, um, what's the guy's name? Chris, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Chris got a little slap on the wrist or whatever the case, like, I mean, Justin could have died. Yeah. The justice system failed him. He tried to kill him. Yes, tried to kill him. And the system failed he Justin. Did, they didn't, like, he didn't just, like, beat him up. Like, no, you took a bat to a his bat head. to his head. And would have swung again had Brian not been there. Like, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I understand where um, Chandelier is coming from. Like, mm-hmm. it's scary. 
I, you know, I was attacked. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like on um, any, like a gay bash or anything, but I was attacked. You know, I was stabbed, mm-hmm. and I had to confront my attackers. Yeah, and you would think it would be so easy, like when you're at home and you're thinking about it to yourself. You was like, oh, I'm gonna get up there, I'm gonna tell this, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm, I'm gonna look them right in their face. It was so terrifying for yeah. me, and I was 20. Mm-hmm. You know, like I mean, it was so. It's, it's just it's a different experience. Unless you're going through it, it's hard to even explain right. it. It's terrifying yeah. to get up there and to tell your story in front of people you don't know. Mm-hmm. You have the whole other people's family looking at you. You don't know if they're going to retaliate against you as right. well. You know, so I, I know all the thoughts that are going through his head but, in yeah. this moment. Yeah. To what Darren is saying, Justin says, well, what if they go back on the street tomorrow and they attack someone else because you didn't do anything? Well, Darren lashes out and he says, uh, and I'm sure it's because he feels caught between a rock and a hard place. He knows what he should do, but then it's like, but at what at what risk to myself? Mm-hmm. Um, and so he says, you're the one who told me to put all this behind me to get on with my life. And Justin says, well, maybe I was wrong. Maybe it's time that we stood up for ourselves and fought back. And so, yeah, I think he's listening to what that guy said. That pink pie. But also he's thinking back to his own situation. And then Darren says, when your attacker bashed you, and got off scot-free, what exactly did you do? He didn't do anything. Right. Well, not in Justin's mind, he did nothing. Like, in fact, the, that time that he saw Chris after it at the, um, at the hospice, uh, uh-huh. he Cleaned froze. Up, yeah. You know, so he did nothing. And I feel like this is a very interesting conversation. Chris Hobbs. I couldn't think, boy, you yeah, know, I'm bad Chris with names. I'm good with faces, bad with names. Yeah. Chris Hobbs, there it is. Yeah, but this is an interesting conversation because what does it mean to do something and what are the lines and who draws them and so it's just very interesting I think Justin is doing something he's using his experience where he felt like he did nothing but now he can be able to coach someone and say hey I didn't do this but you have the opportunity now to change it let's you know make it better for the rest of us moving on you know it goes back to that same fight now we're doing all this fighting now for these rights now so the kids that are coming up 20 years from now they don't have to go through that the same people who did the stonewall for us you know back in the 60s and 70s we're now able to celebrate freely gay pride every year across the country you know and they stood up for us so if we all step back and do nothing right we get nothing accomplished so i mean justin's doing it now Mm -hmm. you know like so what does it mean to do something or do nothing? You're doing it now. Yeah, yeah, and I think, but I think you know, for some people, to just move on, that doesn't mean to some people. It's like, well, you didn't do anything. All you did was start drawing on a computer. Like you didn't, you didn't do anything. But to other people, you kept living your yes, life. You didn't give up. And so, yeah, it's very interesting to think about that. From you know, it depends on your own kind of personal experience, it your does. own beliefs, mm-hmm. what it means to do something. Um, But something else I noticed in this scene, there was a poster for Reckless, a 1935 film that, again, that I have not seen. But I did read the plot summary for it. Girl, you got to get choked. Your classic movie. Okay, I'm kidding. I didn't see this one either. I know you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) But the plot summary for this one had me hooked. So I am going to add this one to our list. So let's watch it. Yeah. And we also have to watch. Rocky Horror Picture Show, which I was going to watch in October. They had it on one of the streaming services, but I wanted to wait for you. We're going to go watch it um, at the Granada over here. They do like a live little showing, and you get to actually throw like the um, the rice and the popcorn and shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll do it. It's interactive. You know, we love interactive. Yes. That's our thing. We shall. Uh, All right. So then Ted and Blake are meeting up for coffee because Ted needed to reach out to somebody. I think after the thing with Melanie and Lindsay, and then after being having some triggers around his house, he needed to reach out to someone. So he reaches out to Blake 
He's kind of freaking out. And Blake's like, hey, you've only been back in your life for one day. Like, let's give it a little bit of time. Yeah, but I don't like the hand-holding, though. Yeah, he was doing some hand-holding. Yes, I didn't like the hand Like, I think Colin Blake was the best call. That's somebody yeah. who knows your situation. You're comfortable with him. You he can speak freely. You need a sponsor. Yes, but the lines are getting a little blurred to me. Yeah, I don't know if that should, if Blake should be his sponsor. No, he shouldn't because y'all had a romantic relationship outside of here. Yeah. You know, um, in the past or whatever mm-hmm. the case. And so you're already too close. You, you're too attached. Yeah. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Well, Ted says that he makes his friends nervous. Like, they don't know what to say. They don't trust him. They think he's using again. And Blake says, well, the same thing happened to me. But eventually they all came around. They all forgave me. And he does say, well, there's one person that he never made amends to. It was the first guy who really believed in him. And he didn't really get to try to make amends because they lost touch. But they recently reconnected. And maybe now he will get his chance. So then I was like... Like, what does that mean? I know. It's like, okay, I was, look, I don't know if this is the time for this. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> what the hell does it, like, Blake, pump the brakes, baby. Yeah, it's like, okay, okay good conversation, but yes. I don't know if now's the right time yeah, like, to be having it. Don't do that. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, maybe him telling Ted, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be the man that I'm standing to today, is giving him the strength, like, hey, you're stronger than you think, and yeah. I owe everything to you. Yeah. I mean, I get that's what he's saying, but at the same time, like, yeah. Slow yeah, it down. I know. It's like your hand know. holding. You're looking Am deep I into the eyes. To like this or not yeah. like this? It's too soon, boo. Too yeah. soon. Oh uh, well, back at the loft, Justin is getting some of his anger out via pencil and paper, and it is violent. Girl, he doing the most. Chris Hopper's getting raped. Well, mm-hmm. and like some guys like ripping off another. I guess it's rage or somebody's ripping off another guy's junk and shoving it into yeah. somebody else's mouth. Like it is vulgar and violent. Um, but we saw Justin's art went this way after the bashing. Yeah, Remember when dark. he was at school, his mm-hmm. art did teacher, go this way. His, yeah, his teacher was telling him too, like, yeah. whoa, this is like, a change. This is different for yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and like, I totally didn't miss the varsity letterman's jacket that um, the guy was wearing. And so. That's the one that I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. To be honest, like a little part of me enjoyed those paintings a little bit too much, as in like, I don't want... I don't want anyone to be raped or anything like that or ever. Attacked in that yeah, way. Or attacked in that way. But I mean, Chris Hobbs deserves. He deserves him. some type yeah. of pun- legal punishment. Legal punishment for yes. what he, the crime that he committed. I want him punished because him mopping the floor at the hospital was not enough for me. Right yeah. at that AIDS hospital, it's like, yeah. why would you have him here? Doing yeah, why that? would you? Like, yeah, I mean, he probably person has no remorse for what he did at all. Ugh. I mean, what the hell? He's probably gonna kill someone in there, you know, like slip something in the IV or something, you or never just know. take some sick pleasure in these people being Dying. weak and yeah. being like, haha, that's what you get. Well, yeah, I don't know whose idea that was, but they're an idiot, whoever they are. Um, anyway, so the lyrics "Welcome to My Head" are being repeated in this scene. And because this is the headspace Justin is in, like he's angry, he's upset, and he is choosing violence in his right. art right yeah, now. He chose it. Yeah. Well, Brian's been watching this, like he's kind of out of the the scene, but then we see him come over, and he's been at the desk there, so it's pretty clear that he was able to see this. And Justin's clearly agitated, and but Brian's been giving him some space and time, and then he comes over to see what's happening, and he picks up one of the the drawings, and he says, "Since when did our heroes?" become the Mary Butchers of Gayopolis. And Justin says someone has to do it since, I'm going to use the word queer people, not the word he used, are too cowardly to stand up for themselves. And, you know, he's so angry with what he's doing and he's been at this for so long, his hand starts cramping. And Brian notices that and he says, you know, someone's angry. And he tries to grab Justin's hand, but, um, okay, pause. My headcanon is that he massages out Justin's cramps in his hand. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I'm sure that Justin was given some exercises that were 
uh, part of his therapy when he right. went home from the hospital. And since Brian became his primary caregiver after he was, you know, after he left Jennifer's house, I'm sure Brian learned those exercises. Mm-hmm. And I imagine in those early days when Justin was very touch averse, like didn't want to be touched by anyone, this was like the only way that Brian could touch him. Right. And Brian's a very tactile person. So I think that was always something very sacred and kind of intimate to him. I love that. I'm, I'm going to go with that too. Good answer. If this was Family Feud, good answer. Good answer. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Anyway, so to Brian's comment about Justin being angry, he says, well, you would be too if your head was, if your head was bashed in. And Brian, with a little bit of an edge, says, yeah, I know I was there. But the look on his face is kind of like, don't do that to me. Right. Like, we're both still suffering from that. Right. We both experienced that. We both went through trauma on that. Yeah. I mean, Brian almost didn't come out of that. Right. You know? Exactly. And it's not about, like, I know that they went through it in different ways, but it was traumatic and changed both of them. Yeah. Um, And it's something they still kind of are not at peace with. They're both traumatized by the events of that night. And so I think he's kind of like, don't use that as a weapon against me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So like I was saying, there was a pause between the two of them. And there's a lot more that I want to say about that pause and a lot more that I want to do to dig into those facial expressions and those emotions going on right there and that silent conversation that's happening between them. But I also kind of want to leave it unresolved because that's exactly how their thoughts and feelings are about anything surrounding the bashing. That's still a very sore spot for them individually and as a couple. Again, they experienced that from totally different angles, but it had and clearly continues to have a huge effect on both of them. And yes, there has been some healing, but it's not totally healed. They are both people who don't like to feel or show vulnerability, but there's this unspoken thing about that night that exposes both of them. And they are not fully recovered, and that's not fully resolved. So part of me wants to kind of leave a little a little room in the discussion on this scene mm-hmm. for various interpretations. Uh, so I will say to that look on Justin's face there, like he is so caught up in his own feelings that he doesn't initially notice that he is reminding Brian of the, that reminding Brian of that night is painful for him as well. Uh, but that, that scene is perfectly acted between, between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Brian says, I thought you put that behind you and moved on. And Justin says, I don't want to talk about it. But Brian knows that he does want to talk about it. So he sits there patiently and then he like kind of tenderly caresses his head, encouraging him to say what he wants to say. And Justin takes his hand, removes it and holds it for a minute. But I think part of him doesn't really want to be soothed. He wants to feel the way he feels. Yeah. Yeah, he wants to feel that. And I think part of him is also acknowledging that Brian is wordlessly asking him to talk. And it kind of goes back to what you said earlier, you know, how Justin didn't really get to speak about it. When he got to say, when he wanted to speak about what was going on, they all told him like, oh, don't think about that. Don't go back down that road. Da, da, yeah, da. Yeah. So finally, he's, this is how he's expressing himself. Mm-hmm. And it was all built, bottled up and built yeah. up. So, yes, now he's mad. Mm-hmm. Someone brought it to the surface. And yeah. he wants to be angry. He wants to get these emotions out, you know. Yeah, these are the ones that he buried before because he was so focused on right. getting back to where he was before on recovery, on acting like nothing had happened and on doing what what everybody around him was telling him to do for the most part is like, keep moving forward, move on, put it behind you. Don't think about it. And we also got to remember Justin lost his entire memory. Right. From that night. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And only regained parts of it. Like we have no confirmation that he gained the full night back. Just little, he, he remembers the bashing, but Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot that he still doesn't, doesn't remember. Um, But also I think this is some growth for, for Brian because he knows that Justin 
needs to talk. And even though that's Brian's least favorite thing, right. <laughs> it's like, let's talk about this. Yeah. Uh, but he wants to offer that to him. So I get, again, I do think we see some growth in him mm-hmm. right now in this scene. Uh, but again, like I said, Justin is upset. So he snatches his hand away after a brief moment. And he's not upset at Brian, of course, but just at the situation and um, over his own bashing and over Darren's. But even at this, every time his hand starts cramping, that's a reminder of what happened to right. him. Like, there, you know, that's a reminder of why his hand is cramping. Mm-hmm. And he tells Brian that Darren is refusing to identify his attackers and that they are going to they're going to get off because he won't do anything about it. He says that when I told him he should be brave and stand up for himself, he said, well, what did you do? And there's some dialogue in the, from the script that gets cut here. And, you know, maybe we'll talk about that later. But ultimately, uh, Justin concludes that he was a coward and that he should have done something. Not just that something should have been done, but that he himself should have done should have done something. And then Brian says, you want to get even? I'll tell you how to get even by being the biggest success you could possibly be. And Justin kind of rolls his eyes because he's heard that before. Yeah, like, like he's tired I of already that. know that, but that's not doing anything for him. You mm-hmm. know, that's not... A dealing with that anger right. in him, and also Brian should know by now. Justin, Justin is not the, not the type of person who just wants to focus on helping himself. He wants to help others, yeah. you know, like and just him being successful. Mm-hmm. That's not doing he anything for the community. He wants to leave it better for the people behind him. Exactly. So him being successful and making everyone jealous of them and getting back at someone that way is not doing anything for the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And Brian tells them, well, hey, channel all of that energy into into your work. Use it to make more money or to use it to have more money, more power, more sex than any poor hetero schmuck. Because nothing upsets a straight guy more than a successful queer person. And Justin references uh, Guernica. And that is um, it's an oil painting by uh, Pablo Picasso from I think it's like from 1937. Everyone regards it as the most moving and powerful anti-war painting in history, but it's all collecting dust. Yeah, it's, it's, saying, like, it's, it's like, what is it? Yeah, yeah, what is it doing? Essentially, what is a piece of art doing to change anything? So, so then he's like thinking about himself, me drawing these pictures, like what is this doing mm-hmm. to change anything? What difference is it making? But I think he is forgetting the effect that his agitprop art had in the Sockwell campaign. So True. But, you know, ra- rage can be blinding. And so he can also make you forget things. Yeah, too. true. But at the same time, he will be reaching a community or a youth or or actually kids probably shouldn't get that book. But he'll be no. he'll be reaching a community that could get their 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 wings from seeing a character like that. You, you can know, inspire seeing, and encourage yeah. people through your art. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know what Brian is saying to him, but Justin feels like I've been doing that and it has done nothing to deal with this anger and this rage that's inside of me that was supposed to be an outlet, but it hasn't felt like one. Mm-hmm. For me. So I get where they're both coming from because Justin did use that first issue of rage to kind of deal with some stuff about the bashing. But clearly that wasn't like the end all be all. Right. That wasn't the, the huge fix because he's still dealing with this stuff. And so I do like that they're letting us see that he is still having to work through his his trauma. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, so he's upset <laughs> and uh he says it's pointless and he, he storms off. Well, Brian isn't really sure how to deal with this yet, but you can tell like he, his mind automatically goes to trying to fix things for yep. Justin. So, And that's what I love about him. Like he's always been there. He's been mm-hmm. Justin's rock. Even in season one when he was trying to play hard to get, I mean, the way he stood up to those those um, high school students, you know, who was calling Justin all type of names and, right. and stood up for them. He's always been Justin's rock. He's always been there to help Justin. And he's always wanting he to protect, protect him. him yeah. You know, so I love that he never let that go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 
Something else I noticed in this scene, there is still not a lot of furniture. They do have those huge, like, floor cushion things. But I do like that little light box that Justin was drawing on. Because uh-huh. I want to self-soothe by saying Brian bought that with Justin in mind. Like, that's a great <laughs> little thing for him to do his artwork yeah, it on. it was perfect. It was perfect for what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, so, Blake is at Ted's place, and he's helping him get rid of his triggers. The dirty party clothes, his porn stash, the magazines, and the VHS tapes. Um, his little toy collection, and even poor Giuseppe Verde. <laughs> Lord, I know. La Traviata. Yeah, yeah. Well, Blake's like, hold on now, put him back. Yeah. He's, he's Yeah, he was here the first time you played. So he was here for the good moments, too. Mm-hmm. You don't have to put all the bad. Because he's like, why are you getting rid of him? What did he do? And Ted was like, well, he was sitting there watching the whole yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> he saw the good moments, though. He did. So we're going to focus on the good. Uh, but the last thing he tosses is his laptop, and that's some true commitment to his Girl, sobriety. Girl, that was an Apple back then? Yeah. Okay. You know, <laughs> baby, where that trash can at? Melanie and Lindsay going to take that to the dumpster, too. Yeah, for too. real. They got, they got you. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're going to take this out for you, too. Yeah. yeah for real. But that, is, that does need to go. Well, no, why would you throw the laptop away? Just cancel that email. <laughs> you know yeah, like, that's what he, yeah, that's what mm-hmm. you should. But I guess, like, in his mind, he's just thinking kind of extreme, so. Yeah. Well, I guess it did bring nothing but bad because I'm pretty sure he started jerk it, um, um, jerk it. What is it? Jerk it. Jerk it. Work. Yeah. yeah. Probably from that same laptop. You yeah, know? but that that was a good business. It was, but and I it think, ended but, badly. But what? But what happens for Ted is he gets lost in in things like that. Like mm-hmm. we saw when he was in that black hole, just sitting there watching porn for days right. on end. Mm-hmm. Like, so I think it's like all those things that can lead him down a dark path. He have to get rid of. Yeah, yeah. I'm the same way. Like. I have to be the furthest away. I can't smell it. I can't be around nothing. You know, if I'm not going to eat meat, like for the longest, I couldn't even go. When I became vegetarian, I couldn't even go to a restaurant because yeah. I did not trust myself. Yeah. If I got there and they got the smelling good, you know, I'm just going to. Just a little piece. Yeah, of, a little just, steak never a, hurt a, anybody. A little piece, baby. Yeah. Let me get a yeah. sliver. Yeah. <laughs> What's a chicken tender ever yeah, done to anybody? Exactly. <laughs> let, me, let me just get that little corner right there, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, like, I understand, you have to get rid of anything and everything mm-hmm. that could possibly trigger you. So, I mean, I'm here for that, but the computer, but. I don't know if I can throw away thousands of dollars. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. And he ain't, he doesn't really have much of an broke. income. What is his income right now? I don't even know. Baby, I guess he, he's still he on savings. savings. Yeah. yeah, he got a savings but, account. Uh, well, no, don't you hear that? I know, because he, he took Gus's yeah. money. But who's going to pay these bills? <laughs> Maybe he's going to get unemployment. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I mean, he got some damn good-ass friends. For real. I need to figure out how people are making it out here with no jobs. Yeah, for yeah. real, for real. What is his side hustle? Yeah, he, he's a scammer. <laughs> that part, <laughs> He's running real. some scam we don't know about. Right, well, you know, he's good with numbers. He <laughs> is good with numbers. Um, But Ted says, even if he got rid of every trigger, every reminder, he'd still remember what he did and how he hurt the people he loved. And that's true. You can't erase what happened. And so he's a little bit freaked out being by himself. He doesn't really trust himself right now. And so Blake offers to stay with him mm, on convenient. the sofa. Yeah. Now, Blake. Girl, I just know. You know Blake going to end up in that bed. I don't know about the sleepover. I don't know about the sleepover. Like, yeah, I'm like, uh-uh. They stop the way they're looking at each other. I don't like those, those bedroom eyes that yeah. they're giving each other. I don't like it. And Ted was with Emmett, like, Two to three or some weeks ago or maybe, you know, some undefinable, it's unknowable period of time. Soon. It's very what do you think he feels toward Emmett right now? He should I mean, I think he's mad at Emmett, but he should be feeling he should be feeling ashamed and hurt and he needs to go make it right with Emmett because this happened because of you. 
Emmett did everything in his power to make you feel better. He tried the crystal with you, thinking that it was going to let you know that, hey, I'm here for you. I'm here for the ride. He held you down for weeks without even telling his friends what happened to you guys. He spent his last dollars so to cover your name up. He continued to he continued to try to help you and love you. Said he wasn't going to come see you, but came to see you. You trashed him in that place. You know, like, yeah. come on now. Like, you owe Emmett everything yeah. in my eyes. It seems like he, and we, we have to see how the other episodes play out, but it is right now it seems like he is just like turned off those feelings toward Emmett. You know, like you were talking about he was the love of your life and all this other stuff. And now you're you, like, how do you turn like, it that quickly? I, I can't be by myself. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy to me. And if I was Emmett, Emmett still, Emmett lived there. Like that's still kind of like his home. He just yeah. giving it some space. If I popped up in there and Blake sitting up on my couch, all hell's breaking loose. You yeah. Okay? I'm going to not get physical with you, but I'm, I'm <laughs> he barely shredded him. You're going to get very yeah, vulnerable with him. That part. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, because, you know, when Emmett saw Blake at the rehab center, he shredded him a little bit. Oh. Right. Are you speaking from experience? Oh, nobody knows stuff better than you. Yeah. Um. So he shredded him a little bit, but I would shred him if he was. I come home like, oh, come through the door. Let me get some. Why are you on my couch? Yeah. What are you doing in here? I mean, girl, I would. <laughs> he, I would be giving him what should have been gave. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Well, back at the fairy gathering, they are having a heart circle and sharing their feelings. And Michael slash Dumpling is there. And he looks like he's been having a grand old time. Oh, no, he's killing the game. Yeah. Well, Emmett runs over, and he's clearly in better spirits. And he feels the power now, too. And he even has a new name. And it is On a Clear Day, You Can See Forever, which is a film from 1970, starring Barbara Streisand. And it's what also, is that with all the references of the film? I know. There are so many films in this one. We have but, to see what the link is with them. So we have yeah, to watch well, them I and actually, tie them together. I actually wrote some notes down from this song, which is from the, the film, and it makes sense. So, but anyway... Emmett's name is Clear Day for short. So it's the whole line on a clear day you can see forever, but Clear Day for short. Um, so here, let me look at the lyrics right quick. Let me find. Um, you get to sing, but I can't. Well, fine. I'll just talk then. Okay. But I had really warmed up the vocals. <laughs> I had really warmed up the pipes. Oh, I but... bet you did. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> me, 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 me. But because of you and your green eye jealousy over there, <laughs> fine. I'll just speak it. So it says one of the nice things about growing older. It, I'm I'm pretty sure she's talking this and not singing it because the way this is written, ain't right. a way to sing this. One of the nice things about growing older is realizing you can survive life's disappointments. This is another nice thing about growing older is that you finally begin to appreciate yourself, flaws and all. And then she starts going into the song. On a clear day, rise and look around you, and you'll see who you are. On a clear day, how it will astound you that the glow of your being outshines every star. You'll feel part of every mountain, sea, and shore. Come through. You can hear from far and near a world you've never, ever heard before. On a clear day, on that clear day, you can see forever and ever and ever. So it's all about just like being able to that, that's learn him. these it, things about yourself, getting clarity on who you are. That sums up this actually episode. I mean, yeah. for all of them. You yeah. know, Brian had to rediscover who he was. Ted is that, uh, yeah, Ted that, is that there, you know, and mm-hmm. we already know um, where what Emmett is going through. So yeah, and yeah. and Justin is going through something too, right? Um, so we see that we we haven't experienced this type of anger for him. So it's everyone. I mean, like yeah. yeah, that really sums it up. Yeah, well, so Emmett is given a chance to share his feelings in this circle, and he says he didn't really want to come, but then something magical happened, and he realized that if if it's true that fairies can create beauty out of ugliness and joy out of pain, then the power can only come from one place. And that is from within, of course. 
And he says he guesses he knew that all along. So that's what Harry meant earlier. Where yep. what you're looking for, it's not here. Mm-hmm. As in, like, you didn't have to come to this place to find it. Right. It's within you. Um, and they do a closing thing and they pay tribute to Harry Hay. And Clear Day asks, well, where is Harry? And Periwinkle is like, oh, he died two years ago, which is true. Um, so Emmett had a visitor from beyond. Yes. With the little help of the shrooms. Yeah, a little <laughs> help from the shrooms. Yeah. Uh, got, got to the spirit plane. Yeah. Okay. So Harry Hay actually has like horn rimmed glasses. And I wonder if they, that was supposed to be. That was in the script for him to have him, but I wonder if it was like a filming issue with like glare and stuff. Right, right. And so that's why they didn't have him wear the glasses. I don't know. Just thinking about that. Anyway, so uh, we see Remsen and his team. They are conducting, well, not, yeah, they're conducting a focus group. And first they show them the original ad that Brian created that Gardner stole and tried to present. And they're like, oh, yeah, just more of the same, same old, same old, a bunch of hunky white dudes having fun. Right. And then they show Brian's ad, the new one, the honest ad. And it sparks conversation. Yeah. And they were like, oh, that's different. It, it creates quite a stir. They say there's no way that they would ever run that. Like, they don't have the. They don't, don't have, have the balls. Yeah. The kahunas. They don't have the sauce to run yeah, that. They yeah. They got it. Yeah. And, but we see Remsen and Brian there together in this in this room. And so we know that Remsen's at least considering it. So we go to Babylon and clear day is tearing it up on the dance floor. Girl, it felt such a relief to see him back. I mean, he was home. He was going to Babylon, but sitting in the corner. Didn't he, if he even went to Babylon, you yeah. know, like he didn't want to go, but I mean, he was up there tearing it up. I mean, hitting all the moves that we're known for him. Oh, known mm-hmm. to see him do. Uh, he was really feeling himself. Like his spirit was back. It was that happy. Flame it was fun. Was back. Girl, the flame was burning high, brighter than it ever yeah. burned. You know, and um, um, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. It's really, really breath of fresh air to see him back in his element, back happy and thriving. And I mean, it's really, really great. Yeah, moment. and just to see that coming from him, like he's alone out there, but he ain't lonely. No, he's not alone on the dance floor. And I love this song. It's something different. Than, it's got a very Bollywood, Bollywoodish uh, yeah, feel. feel to and he it. was killing it. Yeah. Well, Michael is at the bar with with Brian and um and my, Ben, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and he's showing them his pictures from the gathering. And Ben gets it, and I think Brian does too. But he's got to be Brian about it, or he's like, you know, whatever. Make whatever a little joke your, about yeah, it. Yeah, whatever mm-hmm. floats your boat. It's kind of what he. Pro- that's probably his stance on fairy gatherings, like whatever floats your boat. But it's I, not yeah. for me. <laughs> well, Emmett comes to join them with a fistful of confetti, and Ben suggests that they all go next year. And Brian says he can't go because he will be busy with his new business and his new account, Winston yes. Pharmaceuticals. Yes. Yay! And he says, here's to Kinetic, and drinks are on him. Um, and I can't wait for business owner Brian to I see, know. like, how that's going to work. Girl, it's going to be fabulous. We yeah. already know. Like, Brian is going to kill the game. That loft is now going to be a new little ad office, whatever the case. He's going to yeah. have a deck out on, on one <laughs> Justin, side. Justin, I mean, the receptionist. Yeah, for real. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Cynthia going to be over there killing the game, too. He's yeah. going to have everybody over there. Look, Gus is going to be bringing out little coffee and shit. <laughs> tea. He's going to be the mailroom guy. Yeah, yeah, like, for real. Like, that loft is going to be popping. Yeah. Okay. Well, then we get to see the four of them having fun and Emmett and Brian terrorizing each other. And I love how they are such, like, they terrorize each other like brothers do, like siblings yeah. do. And as I'm watching this, I'm wondering, where is Justin? Like, mm-hmm. Why isn't he here for this? And, well, he's at the bar. And he overhears Cody and his crew talking. And here is a Justin who is frustrated and angry and trying to figure out how to deal with that and how to respond to things that are going on around him, which makes sense because Justin is young and he's experiencing a lot of stuff for the first time. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, okay, how do I feel about that? How will I respond to that? I understand he's getting his feet under him, but he's scaring me because that gleam in his eye in this scene is yeah. the same gleam that we've seen um, when Ted was, you know, going down a dark hole and when um, Emmett was in his dark space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of scary to see Justin have that that yeah. that evil kind of gleam or, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's just not his normal brightness. Um and he was sitting and there. there's no one around him. Yeah, he was sitting there alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like these people who probably you know from the they avenue know they him, know who but he they don't, is, but they, they don't, don't know him. him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's trying to do something with this anger that was previously ignored, but is now raging within him. And he walks over to Cody's table, and Cody calls him Meg Ryan. I'm like, okay, now Cody. We do not tolerate but sunshine sling. He's no, serving some Meg Ryan with the hair. The, you got mail. But we don't tolerate sunshine slander in this house, <laughs> yeah, and I mean that. No, facts, facts. But, baby, you you, you are serving me some Meg with that hair. It's beautiful. Meg has some gorgeous <laughs> hair. Okay? Yeah. You got Meg. Uh, well, Justin tells him, I heard what you said at the center, and I agree. And then Cody keeps talking. He's like, they they need to understand. It's not about not being a victim. And Justin says, it's about not allowing yourself to be victimized. Those are two very different things, and they require two very different approaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they make introductions, and Justin sits with them at their table, and then Cody asks if he's ready to kick some straight behinds. See, that's what I don't like. Oh, I'm nervous. Now I have turned into the Jewish mother. Yes. I've turned into Michael. This I'm is, worried. I'm like, Justin, you fought so much with just your, your talent. You don't have to get out there and get physical. And then put yourself in harm's way, jeopardize your whole career moving forward. Um, you're going to have a record on you if y'all get caught doing this. And then you gay and you bashing the straight people. Baby, you're going under the jail. Yeah, you know if you I'm hit like, them, they hit back. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. Exactly. You're just going to start a riot and a, and a war between the two. And yeah, definitely ugh, just makes me nervous. A little uneasy. Yeah. Uh. So... That's the end of the episode, but before we end, I want to really quickly, we touched on it a little bit before, but when I first saw this episode, I kind of dismissed everything with the whole fairy gathering thing. I was like, what in the world? Because it just felt so like out of the blue, but like we talked about, it is a real thing that is a real part of the of the community. So I think about the, my own personal growth in this journey, like with our podcast and just everything else that it is kind of all the other ways that it has like opened my eyes mm-hmm. and my mind wasn't fully open to all of the many forms of healing and therapy that are out there and that are available and that, and that different people try. Um, and so when I first saw this episode two years ago and I was just again, binging. So just rushing through all of it. Um, I thought it was a strange plot choice, <laughs> but <laughs> really? now after learning that it's a real thing and then seeing like healing comes in many forms and um, there are lots of ways to kind of express or embrace spirituality or whatever and whatever that means to each person. So I'm now kind of feeling that way and having that that insight now as a person. Uh, I'm really glad that they shed some light on this community in these gatherings. Absolutely. I mean, it was a great way, like you said, to introduce the many forms of healing. And um, to me, maybe I'm just a weirdo. <laughs> I didn't find anything strange about it at all. <laughs> I, I thought it was fun and yeah. cool, and it was a way to get your mind off something, to help you focus on something else. And then I was praying that they was going to do some type of spiritual work, you mm-hmm. know, to give him some of that spiritual background or some type of um, stability. Yeah. I'm not saying religious, but right, something right. within yourself, mm-hmm. you know. And um, I, so I thought it was an excellent choice. Yeah, some connection to something outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one, the other thing that I like is that even Michael had a great time at this. And so it's like, you don't have to be experiencing a crisis right. to go to some kind of healing thing or to some kind of therapy. Like 
you can just be right. You know, because to see Michael mm-hmm. not even wanted to go give it a shot and be, before you even left Pittsburgh. Yeah, and you didn't it, want to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. And then when you got there, you still a little apprehensive. And then for some reason, your but guard so quickly, just, yeah, just, yeah mm-hmm. it just went just down and it. something snapped on you. Mm-hmm. And it was in a good way. So, yeah. yeah. Well, guys, well, that is a wrap for that episode. That was 402. So we would love to hear your comments on it. So you know what we always say. Let's get interactive and let's speak up. Y'all know how to reach us. And um, yeah, uh, guys, if you have any questions, just let us know. Hit us up. And until next time, we are out of here. Bye. Bye. <laughs>